no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. M.S.W. Media. I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity. To serve as Attorney General at this critical time is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of Clean Up on Aisle 45. We're just two weeks away <laughs> from episode 45. <laughs> 45 Inception. We should have some kind of party there. Yeah, we definitely should. Maybe we should talk about having another live Zoom call or something. Absolutely. That would be fun. 45-45. All right. It's Wednesday, November 10th. I'm your co-host, Allison Gill, and you might have heard something in the background. <laughs> uh, that would have been Andrew Torres with me now and forever. Absolutely. Never to leave you again. Uh, and, but, <laughs> but before we do anything else, we have to shout out our amazing patrons who help make the show possible by going over to patreon.com slash aisle45pod. And you're so smart, I'm not going to spell it out for you. It's aisle with an A. You know that. And signing up for as little as a buck an episode, you get uh, the shout out on the show. You get the ad-free feed. You get whatever other goodies we decide to uh, send your way. And this week, we are shouting out Trixie, Jordan A. Patterson, and uh, one quick ad, which is need carpet cleaning in the area of cedar rapids iowa contact pioneer cleaning systems to get steam cleaning at a great price <laughs> i hey? love how we've sold advertising for a buck an episode yeah, a dollar <laughs> that's it you could that four quarters and you got a you know voice talent read you you, you cannot get that uh that kind of quality anywhere else on the what internet what a fun loophole that's right one dollar <laughs> 
And we'll even read your Patreon name as an ad if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enough, enough of that. We love our patrons. Thank you so much. You are what makes the show possible. But uh, yep. I think it's time to uh, get over to the A block. All right. A block. A is for AG. So, Andrew, <laughs> and it's also for Andrew. There you go. Uh, Lots of A's. Back, back in January, January 11th, to be exact, nine days before we launched this show, you predicted that the former guy, Donald, was going to go to prison in Georgia. And if I recall correctly, you said that this was a relatively straightforward, slam dunk kind of case. I, I did, and it is. Okay, so uh, it, there, there are lots of potential crimes with which the former guy could be charged. Um, but the easiest one, right, and, and the easiest serious one is Georgia Code 21-2-604, which says... A person commits the offense of criminal solicitation to commit election fraud, right? Solicitation in the first degree when, with the intent that another person engage in conduct constituting a felony, he or she solicits, requests, commands, importunes, that's a great word, or otherwise attempts to cause the other person to engage in such conduct. Ah, mm. uh, yes. So quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, I think, was involved <laughs> in this. No. Yep. Uh, so that seems, and you and I have talked about this, that law seems to have been written for what happened in Georgia yeah. with Donald. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it has a couple different elements to it. Uh, the first uh, is, you know, did Trump solicit, request, command, importune, or otherwise attempt to cause Brad Raffensperger, not Ben Roethlisberger, to change the Georgia election results kind of feels like the answer is yes. Yeah, it is. Right. So, look, we have the transcript of that call. And on page 14. It was a Trump... perfect call. Yeah. It was fantastic. It was a beautiful call. There's nothing wrong with that call. They're, they're all perfect. Yeah. But but Trump starts in with his mafia routine against Raffensperger. He says, hey, I'm asking you. I don't know, Brad. I got I have to find 12,000 votes and I have them times a lot. This is. This is the way our actual former president used to talk. So seriously, if you're still in the doldrums about, uh, you know, Joe Biden, or whatever, remember, we used to have a president who said, quote, I have to find 12,000 votes and I have them times a lot. And therefore, I won the state. Okay. Uh, and so after that, multiple times, he says stuff like, so what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. He you know, forgot it's like 11,790, but you know, whatever he wanted to round down there. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Trump devil's advocate sort of, yeah. um, but also I'm going to be advocating against him, but Trump does believe this. He really thinks he won Georgia by 400,000 votes or whatever. Right. Let's say that. Let's say Trump really believes that. So does that make this crime harder to prove? Can Trump just stupid his way out of this the way Trump Jr. was stupided his way out of criminal liability in Trump Tower meeting? I don't I don't think so, man. I don't think you can <laughs> I don't think you can believe you won by 400,000 votes, but just ask for enough to 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 change the election over to you. That that to me shows that you know what the fuck is going on. That and and that intuition is exactly right. And it is part of the interlocking Georgia statute, 21-2-562, right? So 604 is what Trump is guilty of. Uh, but you have to want to induce a public official to also commit a fraud. So what fraud did he want Raffensperger to commit? 562, which is fraudulent entry. And it says any person 
who willfully inserts or permit to be inserted any false figure in well, any. And then there's a list. It's like 58 different things to make sure they didn't leave something out. Voter certificate, affidavit, tally paper, you know. It goes on for like six lines or other record or document just so just so they made sure they got everything. Yeah, I like how they name everything and then they, they say and also anything else just in yeah. case. Anything authorized or required to be made in connection with any primary or election. Right. So any false number on any document in connection with any election is guilty of a felony and shall be imprisoned for not more than 10 years and fined not more than one hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and uh, just a question for you. What do you mean by interlocking? Just means like another yeah. rule under the same statute? Oh, yeah. I, it, I meant I meant because 604 requires you to attempt uh, to solicit, uh, solicit that somebody else commit a felony. So then the question is, what is the felony that you are soliciting? And ah. here, the felony that Trump was soliciting is the 562 fraudulent entry. Any false figure. Yeah. Whether you believe it or not. Yeah. So as as long as you know that number is false. Right. Okay. So if he truly believed that it was exactly 11,780 votes that he lost by, he might have a defense here. But because he doesn't truly believe it's only that number, that's the false number. That's what makes it false. Right. 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 So even so. So look, the very first thing you would do. Right. Is. Put on it because, I mean, Trump isn't going to take the stand. So you're not going to get the opportunity to, you know, uh, to cross examine him. Uh, but you will put on evidence uh, and, and and there is evidence in the call. Right. Mark Meadows floats floats this twenty one thousand three hundred and ninety four figure. Right. Like that. There is evidence that that Trump may have believed any number of things. Right. Like his words are I won by a million votes or four hundred thousand or whatever. Right. But but at no point does does he say he believed that he won by the number that he wants Brad Raffensperger to enter. And, no, and in fact, <laughs> he goes on to say it's just one more than we need. He yeah. like even says that. Yeah, exactly. Padding the vote totals is a felony. Inserting a number you know is wrong is a felony. And what Trump is doing is asking Raffensperger to insert a number they both know is wrong. And there you have it. That's that's it. We're done. Open and shut case. For why Trump intentionally solicited, solicited, requested, committed, or otherwise attempted to cause Raffensperger to commit a felony. That is entering the false number. So now the question has been, I've got a couple questions here. <laughs> um, first of all, what's taking so long? And, and I, right. I, I know the answer that I've answered that, questions a million, uh, that question a million times on Twitter. But also, uh, and I, you know, maybe we'll get into this in, in a bit, but I know for a fact that that Fonnie Willis has hired RICO experts, racketeering <laughs> experts. And and this just this one, you know, uh 562 604 604, is that right? 604. Yeah. 604 562. Uh, that's not RICO, right? That's nope. just a straight up felony. Yep. Uh and so I mean, you know, how how do you First of all, how do you see this going? Do you see this going as here's just this felony and then maybe uh, going forward for, you know, looking at RICO? But again, also what's taking so long, New York Times reported over the weekend, huge story, that <laughs> that, that Fonnie Willis is moving toward convening a special grand jury. Of course, everyone shows up, oh, moving toward considering, how about you just do it? You know, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's what it means. She's going to do it. She's going to panel yeah. a special grand jury. 
in this criminal investigation of election interference by Trump and his allies, and that she both, one, opened her inquiry in February, and two, her office has been consulting with the White House 1-6 Investigatory Committee, whose evidence is and could be of considerable value to her investigation. They have been. I remember when she was asked like a couple months ago, are you going to cooperate with the committee? Are they cooperating with you? And she smiled like, I sure hope so. <laughs> like They have a lot of rad stuff that I could use. Yeah. And, and, and it, that goes back and forth. So so the, the, the time story explicitly says that at least some of those delays are, are due in part to that cooperation by and between Ms. Willis's office and the one six commission. Um, it, the RICO stuff is is really interesting. Um, I, I am focused on the 604 because of the slam dunkiness of it, right? The like ease, it, 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 right? It, it, yeah. Um, but but there are two things that you need to know here, right? The, the first is um, that a lot of the heavy lifting on other potential crimes and 604 um, has already been done by a, by a report by the Brookings Institution, by my, yeah. my, my former yeah. partner, Norm Eisen. Um, that report concluded that that Trump's conduct in Georgia put him, quote, at substantial risk mm-hmm. of possible state charges, including racketeering, election fraud solicitation, intentional interference with a performance of election duties and conspiracy to commit election fraud. Um, th- those are harder cases only because of how easy the 604 case is. Um, and and, you know, just if you want to prove Trump is a criminal and belongs in jail, like. To me, the 604 is the the, the, the shortest path. Um, it, the Do you other... start with the 604 <laughs> and then keep looking? And then have a superseding indictment? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's what uh, I would do. That's what that's what I would do, too. So, you know, we'll 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 find out. Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> OK. And, and we've heard the term special grand jury. Gosh, somewhere before New York, <laughs> uh, you know, they had just they had convened in May a six-month-long special grand jury that was meeting three days a week. And uh, they just, in, in New York, have decided to uh, do another one. Uh, they're going to do another six-month special grand jury. Uh, and in Georgia, I know this, that the grand jury rules, I don't know if they're different, how it works, but why uh, a special grand jury here? Yeah, and, and, and again, every state's a little different. In Georgia, you have two grand juries that are currently sitting in Fulton County. Um, they have the power both to issue subpoenas and to hand down indictments. Uh, but, you know, COVID. Um, so uh, they're super backlogged. The Times says that they have more than 10,000 potential cases uh, in, in their backlog. So you don't want to rely on them to get the information that you need, especially if you want it in a timely way. What you do then is you go to it's Georgia code 15 12 100. Um, and that allows any elected public official, including Fannie Willis, to request that the judges of a superior court impanel a special purpose grand jury, 16 to 23 people. And then that special purpose grand jury can compel evidence, subpoena witnesses, inspect records, and may require the production of the same. Um, and, and, and so you go to them to get your information. Ah, so they do all the gathering and and investigative work like that, and uh, yeah, all the records and reads. But they can't indict, right? They that's the one thing they can't do. This special grand jury in Georgia. Yeah, that's right. They would have to go back to one of those regular grand juries. Would she be able to cut in line, or do they have to wait yeah. for the? T- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, she. It will let you cut to the front of the line, but what you don't want to have to do is you don't have to rely on the regular grand jury 
to subpoena the witnesses and and the documents. Um, you just put your presentation together. Grand juries are ex parte anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And you come to them and say, hey, look, like, we got a case ready to go. You give us the thumbs up, thumbs down on, you know, President One that we would like to indict here. <laughs> President One. <laughs> I wonder who it could be. Be <laughs> like people looking at the redaction bars, like trying to yeah. figure out how many letters it is, um, like we did for so many things in the oh, Mueller investigation. Yeah. We had a we had a not bad record on trying to decipher You're length of. Uh... Very correct. We did really well. <laughs> Anyway, so so you know, Raffensperger has done the book tour thing, so it seems like we have a pretty good idea of what his testimony would be, because in the book, he says, for the office of the Secretary of State to recalculate, quote-unquote, would mean we would somehow have to fudge the numbers. The president was asking me to do something that I knew was wrong, and I was not going to do that, he writes in his book. Uh, wow, what a eloquent writer. And then, <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, seriously... The president was asking me to do something that I knew was wrong, and I was not going to do that. <laughs> on my on my way to feed troubled orphans in inner city Atlanta, I uh, had yeah. to stand up for truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's wherever there's injustice, we'll be there. We are the whatever. Uh, as testimony for intent, though, because get this, Raffensperger writes, I felt then and still believe today that this was a threat. <laughs> Yeah, and, and look, you know, Raffensperger's self-serving nature here is is going to help us, right? Because yes. it, it it does not work well with your book tour about how you're the last honest Republican in the, the universe uh, to then, you know, decline to show up uh, at at the uh, at the prosecution. So I I, I feel like uh, he's going to make a good witness. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, it it. It, uh, you know, as as we've said, I expect this will be way more wide ranging. Um, you know, you you talked about Rico. Uh, we haven't talked about the fact that um, Fonnie Willis brought a successful Rico case. Uh, yes. Yeah. Go, yeah. I talk about this all the time, right? <laughs> because the that that went that. that cheating in the education system they were you know they were they yep. were administrators were cheating uh, for their students so that they could pass uh, so that they would you know they look good because they got judged on how the kids did and they found that out in 2009 right and then in 2013 yep. indictments came down and then 2014 was a trial and they were convicted in 2015 i mean that's 5 6 years you know um and you know, Fani says, I always tell people when they hear the word racketeering, they think of the Godfather. <laughs> uh, but she explained that RICO also extends to otherwise lawful organizations that are used to break the law. If you have various overt acts for an illegal purpose, I think you can, you may get there. And Ms. Willis, like you said, brought that successful RICO case uh, with the Atlanta Public Schools, yep. right? I, it, but it does take a really long time. It, it, it does. And, you know, and I, I we've we we have both made the it's never RICO joke, but like it. it it would be shocking to have somebody who, you know, <laughs> the the uh, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I mean, it would be it would be shocking to have somebody who has experience in precisely this area to to not, you know, look at the degree to which uh, Trump gathering together, you know, a circle of folks to talk about the the different ways in which they're going to bring a multifaceted press mm-hmm. to overturn election results. 
uh, you know, and kind of letting Mark Meadows coordinate all that. Uh, that that I, again, not a prosecutor. That that sounds pretty Rico-y to me. So you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll be following this. Yeah, we will. Um, and that's why our show will keep going. <laughs> well, uh, let's but, get the yeah. 604 first. Then, then, <laughs> then get some superseding indictments. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm with you. I think, you know, she d- does a special grand jury. She subpoenas Raffensperger and anybody who knows about the Raffensperger call and about that specific thing where he asked for 11,780 votes and he wanted to do the falsifying 602, that whole thing. Yep. And then go ahead, indict, bam. And then... You know, maybe keep looking at Rico if you want. That's what I. That's what I know. I think that would probably to subpoena Raffensperger, have it done. Well, I think we're probably looking at like February, March, something like that. I, I, I think, I think that would be fast based on what we've we've heard. But uh, I would, yeah, I would love to see it. I mean, look, like the 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 risk is, <laughs> you know, I I have I have been among the the staunchest advocates of you know let prosecutors do their job. The wheels of justice churn slowly. I, I, I am concerned about the ongoing Republican Party's efforts to gaslight the American public about what actually happened on one six. And I feel like every day, you know, we we lose another couple of folks that, uh, you know, uh, tune into Tucker Carlson or whatever. So, I, yeah. It, hell, it, they're gaslighting us on the Russia investigation yeah. still, you know. Yep. yep. So, anyway. so, so that's All what right. we're up against. Yeah, and it always has been. It'll continue to be. Um, and there's just so much to clean up. <laughs> so I think we, we picked a good show topic, honestly. Um, but uh, we'll be right back. We're, we got more cleanup stuff. And then, of course, we have a really, really robust comings and goings this week. I'm very excited. <laughs> so uh, a lot of comings. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, after this quick break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's Allison Gill, the host formerly known as AG. Today's Cleanup on All 45 is brought to you by Feels CBD. As you know, CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. You would not feel the stress, anxiety, or pain. And keeping a clear head and feeling great is easy with Feels. No hangovers or addictions. If you haven't tried CBD, I highly recommend it. Feels CBD is safe and organic and has helped me sleep better. It's reduced my anxiety and it's lessened my soreness and pain, especially after workouts. Just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. I feel calmer. My muscles are less sore after the workouts, like I said, and my mood is lifted. And I can fall asleep more easily at night, which is nice. Deliveries are hassle-free and delivered directly to your door without a prescription necessary, you can call their free CBD hotline. This thing is amazing. They help you find the right CBD dose for you. I love that I can call somebody for that. And the Feels Monthly Membership makes self-care simple. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel anytime. It's real easy. So start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash cleanup and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's huge. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash cleanup to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping included. Again, feels.com slash cleanup. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, Andrew, remember a few weeks ago when Biden and the Department of Veterans Affairs wrote a new policy allowing anyone who'd been discharged from the military for sexual orientation before, during, and even after, don't ask, don't tell, to have access to the full benefits that veterans get, (laughs) right? Uh, Well, we have a new cleanup for the LGBTQ plus community this week. Awesome. And this is that more same-sex couples who weren't able to get married due to now overturned laws will now have access to Social Security survivor benefits because the federal government has dropped its own appeals 
in a pair of court challenges. Yeah, no, and th- this is this is huge uh, for, for those folks. So a pair of federal judges in Washington state and Arizona ruled last year that the Social Security Administration should approve survivor benefits for certain same-sex spouses who didn't meet the program's marriage requirements because they were prohibited from getting married. Uh, and then the, you know, former guy uh, appealed both of those decisions. And then uh, the, the new guy evaluated those appeals. <laughs> yeah, and the Department of Justice and the Social Security Administration dismissed them, dismissed those appeals Monday. Uh, so it's, and, you know, we've seen a lot where, a lot of instances where the, this Department of Justice has sort of picked up a mantle from previous, like, Bill Barr decisions and said, all right, we're going to keep this. Uh, but but this is one where they're like, no, we're throwing this away. Um, so they brought those cases to an end. Uh, and that's according to Lambda Legal, which is an amazing LGBTQ rights group oh, yeah. that initially filed the lawsuits three years ago, Andrew. Yep. So, look, these were these were good decisions. Last year's rulings had already extended benefits to people who were married for fewer than nine months before their spouses died, as well as people who never got married but applied for survivor benefits by last November. So Monday's dismissal means anybody who couldn't get married and had not yet applied for benefits can still receive them. That's so great. It's yeah. it's and it's so important. And I I love how some of these decisions, some of these cleanup decisions, are are just sort of a a deciding not to do something that was being done. It's yeah. so easy to undo. Yeah, it, you it, know? it it really is. This is this is the ongoing theme we've been talking about this for weeks. Where you know it is what gathers headlines is legislation, but you know there there is just so much going on kind of behind the curtain and um you know hopefully our show pulls back that curtain a little bit i i, I think we're still you know not uh not afraid to to uh to criticize the administration when they're you know moving too slowly or not moving at all or they've screwed up um uh, but uh but there's there's a lot of good that's going on that just um has has slipped uh you know between the cracks, beneath the radar, I'm, I'm mixing metaphors here. But, uh, <laughs> Between you know. the cracks sounds weird, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I've added this to my list. I'm keeping a running list of, of, of shit that the DOJ does that I like and shit that they've done that I do not like. Yeah. And it's like 86 to 5 right now. Um, so I'll keep sharing that list. Uh, although, you know, and I, we'll talk about this in a minute, This uh, the Bannon thing. Yeah. Um, but we can talk and that's look that's real i i do not understand anyway yeah i don't want to i don't want to steal some thunder (laughs) yeah no no thunder stealing here i just wanted to kind of tell you this is a cleanup in canada this isn't cleanup on aisle 45 um (laughs) but uh i had i just wanted to change you I, (laughs) i have canada envy today andrew because in one of her first acts as Canada's new defense minister, Anita Anand announced today she's transferring the investigation and prosecution of sexual misconduct cases in the Canadian military, the Canadian forces, to the civilian justice uh, system. Yeah. Uh, here in the U.S., we have been trying to pass legislation. Kirsten Gillibrand has been uh, a strong advocate for that. That has 66 co-sponsors in the Senate, and yes, you heard that correctly, 66 co-sponsors in the Senate uh, that would transfer prosecution of sexual misconduct and other serious crimes out of the hands of commanders and into a separate office at the Pentagon. 
Yeah, for a very long time, we wanted it to be into the you know civilian, and right, then they right, was like, yeah. "That's never going to happen. Let's yeah. just give them kind of their own." <laughs> what do you think we are, Canada? Yeah, f- <laughs> hey, hoser. Um, so you know, but you know, then they sort of compromised, and they were like, "All right, well, we'll just kind of make our own little DA's office inside the Pentagon, like you know, and that's where we'll do it. We'll take it out of the at least out of the chain of command, yeah, right?" Yeah, and we've been trying to pass that legislation. Um, for for so long, but that bill was blocked by a Democrat named Jack Reed from Rhode Island, who wanted the legislation to go through his committee, Armed Forces, and be part of the NDAA National Defense Authorization Act, which is still being marked up and in committee, and it's yeah. going to be there for a long time. And they wanted to do that instead of letting it be a standalone bill. Um, and like I said, it's been ten years we've been pushing this bill, and now that we have enough votes, we still can't get it done. So I have candidate envy today, Andrew. I, I'm I'm with you. Uh... And the fact that we can't get, you know, a, a step closer, uh, I, I think, is is a fair and legitimate outrage of uh, th- th- this just seems wh- whenever you have uh, something that can do real good for real people. Um, but, but, you know, break it out, make it make it a separate bill, you know, to do a, a smaller version of what you were able to do on infrastructure. Right. That and, 66 uh, senators are on board to, to pass. Go. I mean, it's an easy W. Yep. Um, and speaking of easy W's, uh, <laughs> Ooh, I want to nice go back transition. to I want to go back to Bannon um, because <sighs> it's been over two weeks. Yeah. We don't have a lot of precedent, okay? To be honest, we don't have the last thing we talked about. 1983 was the last time Congress made a criminal referral contempt. Uh, contempt of Congress, criminal referral to the Department of Justice. In that time, the Department of Justice took nine days to indict. They lost the case, by the way. Maybe yeah. if they had taken a few, a little more time <laughs> <laughs> to to do discovery and to to th- think about motions and, and how they're going to respond to them and, and think about how they might respond to a request for a speedy trial because he gets that, Ben, and we get that. Uh and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Merrick Garland came out today and said, I'm still considering it. So he he basically said he he hasn't declined to prosecute. Uh, yeah. Big. <laughs> uh, but like, why? You know, and I heard rumors, uh, Andrew, that the Department of Justice w- wanted to wait to see a, 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 about a ruling uh, about legislative purpose for the January 6th committee before it did this, because. You know, Andrew, whether you do it before or after, you're going to have to let the courts decide if there's a legislative purpose for Bannon's testimony, whether you whether you indict him and he files a motion to dismiss and the court has to decide or whether you wait for a ruling and then indict him. You've got to wait for the courts to decide on a legislative purpose because that's what Bannon's defense is going to be. You do. But I but I want to take a. Uh, a, a, a... An educated and informed swing at Merrick Garland here, and that is in in the scope of the overall in connection between the DOJ and the one six committee, um, because we learned today as we record this on a Monday uh, that the one six committee has issued six more subpoenas to Trump's inner circle. Right. Bill Stepien, Jason Miller. Uh, Angela McCallum, who was the national executive assistant to the campaign, John Eastman uh, of Federalist Society Infamy, who uh, wrote the uh, playbook for the insurrection, Michael Flynn, uh, who needs no introduction, uh, and Giuliani hitman Bernie Carrick, 
Um, mm-hmm. the, those six got subpoenas from the one six committee. And I would kind of like for Steve Bannon to be in handcuffs uh, when those subpoenas arrive on those desks, because yes. each and every one of those assholes is going to think about uh, asserting executive privilege. Uh, Trump is, uh, you know, he doesn't have to call them to say, right, like he's been out in public saying, you know, everybody should just claim executive privilege because, you know, he he barely knows what either of those two words mean. Um, and and I would like it to be clear uh, that there are consequences for telling the United States Congress no uh, when they subpoena you. Um, and, and, uh, and, 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 and the fact that it has to go to a court either way, uh, is not a sufficient argument in my mind, right? Like I, I would have liked to have seen that indictment come out, you know, two days out of the box. Like, no, you don't, you don't get to do that. Oh yeah. Um, No, my, my position is to indict and then go through the process. I, I am in favor of that because waiting up front for that to happen, uh, I think undermines the, the, the inherent power of congress to be able to subpoena people uh and you know they gave them until uh november 29th to produce documents and uh the depositions happened at the last week of november first week of december i and i i think we will see a bannon indictment prior to those dates uh being required and the reason i say that isn't because i you know i'm just like this isn't back in the Mueller she wrote days where i'm doing a fantasy indictment league just (laughs) just throwing the dice out there and fucking hoping uh, but like I said, Garland said today he's still considering it. So he hasn't yeah. taken it off the table. And Barb McQuaid actually said, you know, the longer this takes, the better it is the, the, that we will see an indictment because, again, pre-trial, pre-trial motions to consider. They have to um, do discovery, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and, and get ready for prepare for a speedy trial. So... And 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 I hate to to say this, but the the last time this happened, and they did it in nine days flat, they lost. So <laughs> uh, it uh, those are fair points, and I agree with you that um, if uh, if an indictment comes down while you know responses from these folks are pending, um, you know it, it it might put some urgency behind it. It certainly would set the precedent that says, yeah, now you know if. Uh, Bill Stepien thinks that, you know, he can tell Congress to, you know, go screw itself. Uh, he's got another thing coming. And um, and that's what I want to see. Yeah, me too. And I, and I have to say that I don't think the January 6th committee would have issued these subpoenas unless they had some sort of uh, faith that... <laughs> That there would be a, a ban and indictment, honestly, uh, because and th- I, I, these are smarter right. people. These are yeah. smarter people than me, and that was in my mind. You, because I, I tweeted a couple of days ago, they aren't going to be able to subpoena Jack shit until Bannon is in handcuffs, because yeah. otherwise nobody's going to da da da. So yeah. I, I happen to think that, and they have been working with the January sixth uh, committee, and the DOJ has been communicating together. I think they might know that there's a ban and indictment coming down, and that's purely speculative, and they aren't supposed to talk about that, even if they could. Uh, <laughs> but I think that the, just the issuance of these indictments, because these are definitely recalcitrant witnesses, uh, uh, but just the issuance of these indictments kind of indicates that at least Benny Thompson and the committee, Raskin, Schiff, have confidence that Bannon will be indicted. I, I, 
I agree with that thought process. I I think that's I think that's well thought out, and and I, I think those are good points. So you've Thank uh, you. you've talked me you've talked me off the ledge a little bit. I I want to also talk about you. You were discussing the the legislative purpose case, which is before Judge Chuckin, um, and we are waiting for uh, a ruling which will come out the day after the show drops, because of course it will. Um, <laughs> Although it, that it, would only give him if he if she ruled against an injunction, that would only give him one day before Nara right. starts hand. Do they do they call it Nara? Just call it the National Archives uh, before they have to start handing the stuff over. They don't have to, but they said we're going to start handing this over on Friday if you tell us, unless you tell us not to. So yeah, that wouldn't yeah. give much time. Uh, uh, it it that case is fascinating. Um, in, in, <laughs> we learned more about what the one six commission requested from, you know, Trump's request for an injunction to say, oh, please don't let them, you know, get at my files, uh, including the draft text of a presidential speech for January 6, 2021. A uh, handwritten list of potential or scheduled briefings and telephone calls concerning election issues. A draft executive order concerning election integrity. Um, these are, uh, and again, we've we've talked about it, um, and 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 you've talked about Jamie Raskin serving on that committee. Um, we've said this before. One of the things that Democrats did exceptionally well in the second impeachment uh, was telling the story. Uh, of the incitement to insurrection and connecting the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters to the White House, uh, and um, it 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 seems like you know the the folks who understood that that happened uh, have not taken their foot off the gas. Hmm. Yeah, it's when it's amazing how little information we had during yep. that second impeachment. Versus what we have today and that this isn't just top line news every day. We had an architect, John Eastman, talk about Pence throwing away electors for seven states. Then we have Jeffrey Clark, who testified, well, testified in quotes, <laughs> Friday to the committee. He didn't tell him anything. At least he showed up because he didn't want to get arrested. Uh, although we haven't seen that that's what's actually going to happen. But it will, I swear. All right. Um, so he comes in, but he writes letters to those seven states saying, we found election fraud. You need to appoint us an alternate slate of electors so that when, you know, Pence throws out the electors, we have Trump electors. Or it takes some everybody down below 270 and we throw it to the House, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there was. And then, of course, Eastman tries to downplay it like I wasn't. I was just joking around. And but then there's, you know. All sorts of evidence, video, taped evidence that he yep. was not, definitely not joking around. And now we've got these subpoenas for the war room where they ta tried to talk about it. And I thought it was really interesting with the Chutkin case, Andrew, that the National Archives filed uh, and then uh, the House Doug Letter filed mm -hmm. in this in this executive privilege case, which is more of a legislative purpose case because legislative purpose, Trump has been successful with that in the Mazars yep in the in the house ways and means tax returns thing uh and so but also the department of justice filed in support of the national archives and nobody really kind of went over this but i found it very very interesting that they dedicated an entire page almost of it to bannon yeah and how he wanted to he was in charge of the war room and wanted to stop the electoral count and right around that same time a bunch of news stories came out that said the january 6th committee was looking to 
uh, change and shore up the Electoral Count Act, particularly the role the vice president takes when they certify the electoral votes and that it is purely ministerial and that the vice president can't come in and throw out electors, etc., which gives them a legislative purpose to help sort of shore this up. And I feel like a, a ruling in the Chutkin case is also gives a legislative purpose to anyone that the committee wants to subpoena. Uh, not yep. the Chutkin case, I should say the Trump case, because right, right. It, they talk about the uh, overthrowing the, the thing and they, t- they mention Bannon and they mention Eastman by name. So it would definitely at least give it in the Bannon and Eastman cases. But but DOJ might not even be making those considerations like Barb McQuaid said today. They might just be going through all of the pre, pre, pre-trial motions, anticipatory things and discovery and and taking a long time doing that. There might not even they might not even be waiting for a ruling in the Chutkin case on legislative purpose. Yeah, I I hate being in the dark. Um, I mean, I'll say a couple of things. Right. First is um, historically legislative purpose has been interpreted incredibly broadly um, and and is part of the inherent powers of Congress. Um, The the second is uh, it it seems to me that the nexus is particularly strong here because you now have out in the open. It is. I mean, if you don't think Republicans in Republican controlled states are going to appoint multiple slates of electors in 2024, then, I, you know, I I want to come live with you in 1956 or wherever. You, right. Like it, it is. <laughs> but that's that will happen. It is epistemically certain that that will now be added to the playbook uh, because, you know, we've we've seen. Uh, those officials lament that they didn't think about doing it uh, in in 2020. And so, you know, it's going to be crucial to fight that at the state level. Uh, we're not going to get a lot of relief uh, from uh, from federal courts, um, you know, uh, in, in 2024. Uh, and um, and there is a legitimate ambiguity uh, in the Electoral County. Like everybody says that, right? Like every every uh, official you know, but including people like John Eastman, right, have 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 said, uh, yeah, well, you know, nobody really knows what what X, Y, Z means. So, you know, providing congressional guidance to what that means is, you know, a core function of the House of Representatives. And um, I, I would be I would be stunned if the case goes the other way. But, you know, I've I've been stunned in the past five years, but (laughs) I I, I would say, um, you know, just write up an office of legal counsel memo. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, Democrats are the only ones who follow those. (laughs) (laughs) Democrats and Mueller. Um, uh, Anyway, (laughs) here's hoping and we'll see. But my beans are on the cuffs getting slapped on Bannon before the subpoenas have to be responded to by this latest batch. That's my personal belief. I I I love that. My beans are uh, on Thursday. Uh, Judge Shutkin is going to rule that uh, there was a valid legislative purpose uh, in uh, subpoenaing the documents from the uh, National Archives. So can she rule a- on the merits in an, in a motion for injunctive relief? So no, uh, but uh, remember that one of the burdens that you must carry. Uh, is likelihood of success on, the merits. on yeah. the merits, right? So it is as a as a lawyer, you know, that you get certain signals when you move for injunctive relief. Uh, the court can tell you kind of what they what they view on that. Now, sometimes courts are candid, right, and they will say, 
you know, we thought this was a close question on the likelihood of success on the merits. And we went over year over year. But when a court says we find that the, you know, defendants are highly likely to win on, you know, uh, on the merits. Well, that, that, that that's going to be the judge that you're litigating the merits in front of that. That usually tells you something. So, yeah. And that was the, that was what I was hearing from the Department of Justice. They wanted a ruling on legislative purpose uh, yeah. or that they were thinking about it. And and I have I've been saying that whatever Judge Chutkin decides, <laughs> her ruling will make that determination, even though it's not on the merits. It'll be in the it'll be in the ruling. And I think that when she does rule, because she will that there was a legislative purpose here, uh, even if she has to get into the weeds and talk about the Electoral Count Act or whatever. Uh, but I, I just liked her. Hey, th- that it's the building that was attacked. Do they have the right to look into it? Yeah. Um, whatever her whatever her decision or her reasonings for the decision are, it's going to be that there was a legislative purpose. And I have been saying that that will clear the way for a ban and indictment. And we're going to get it this week. Not the indictment, but the ruling. All right. I like All right. It. All right. Those are my beans. Those are my totally non-lawyer t- 10 years as a comedian beans. All right. We have a great comings and goings. I'm very excited about this one. It's very important and awesome. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Stay with us. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Hi, I'm Al Harrington, president and CEO of Al Harrington's Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Man Emporium and Warehouse. Thanks to a shipping error, I am now currently overstocked on Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Men, and I am passing the savings on to you! Attract customers to your business. Make a splash at your next presentation. Keep grandma company. Protect your crops. Confuse your neighbors. African-American, hail a cab. Testify in church or just raise the roof. Whatever your wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man needs are. So come on down to Al Harrington's wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man emporium and warehouse. Route 2 in Weekapog. Welcome back. And in comings and goings, as Allison has teased, we have some notable comings for this week, some historical firsts, as well as uh, somebody who has an awful lot of work on his plate for day one. Uh, where do you want, Where do you want to start? Let's start with the uh, awful lot of work on his plate from day one, fella. <laughs> and these are pretty big boots on the ground, right? Matthew Graves yep. took office on Friday, November 5th, as the United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, where, you know, there's about five or 600 pending insurrectionist cases, in addition <laughs> to everyone else's regular job prosecuting crimes in D.C., uh, this is the nation's largest U.S. attorney's office, even when one uh, of our two major political parties is not involved in plotting the overthrow of democracy as we know it. The courts are very backed up. Yeah. But this is this is who would be looking at the leaders of the with people like, why aren't they in, investigating Donald Trump for citing the coup? This is who would do that. This is also, by the way, the guy who would uh, investigate and or charge on those good old Mueller obstruction of justice charges that occurred in the District of Columbia. So this is my new favorite or (laughs) least favorite guy in the world. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, his his fortunes will rise and fall based on what he does. I, I I agree. This is this is really, really significant. You are absolutely correct just to point out um, the the you know, we 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 now have somebody in the big chair, right? Graves. Right. He's 45. He was previously. I know he was previously at the U.S. attorney's office in D.C. for a decade uh, before 
beating a hasty retreat in 2016. So good call on that one, Matt. Yeah, um, <laughs> he, he went he went into private practice. He went to DLA Piper, which is a mega firm with a billion lawyers uh, in D.C., was a partner, you know, made a good chunk of money. Um, uh, J.D. from Yale. So, uh, you know, whatever. Um, that's okay, I guess. Well, we know his, that if he doesn't go after the obstruction of justice charges in the Mueller case, it's because yeah. of the Yale. Thing. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> and in his last go round, if you're trying to read some tea leaves, he was the chief of the fraud and public corruption section. Hmm. And you might ask yourself why uh, this administration would want somebody in a high profile position with a long record of prosecuting public officials in high-profile corruption cases. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, could be could be coincidence, but I'm you know, sure. like yeah, like we said in the last section, you know, if you if you uh, if you have somebody who has successfully prosecuted a RICO case, they kind of turn around and look at uh, every subsequent white-collar criminal case and go, "Is this a is this a good fit for RICO?" And and if you have somebody who has um, a, a decade worth of prosecuting public officials. Um, this is not typically somebody that's like, eh, come on, what you going to do? So, uh, you know, yes, I, I, I have hopes. I, have I, hopes. I do too. Another sign that Biden is not about, you know, just looking forward and ignoring. Everyone keeps sharing that article from November about Biden saying, we just want to move forward. That was before the insurrection. Biden has been very clear and outspoken that he doesn't want to let Donald off the hook. Uh, and I think that this particular public corruption expert nomination to the to the DCAS, uh, DCUSAO is, is kind of a <laughs> uh, to me. But, you know, we'll see. Who knows? I, we'll see. That's right. Uh, but I have to share how proud I am that Biden nominated, uh, and now the Senate has confirmed Beth Robinson to the U.S. Ooh. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. She will be the first openly LGBTQ plus woman to serve on any federal district court. And I love that both the Biden press release and the news outlets covering her story have used the adjective openly because, you know, <laughs> the alternative isn't what we've had 200 plus years of complete heterosexuals. Yeah, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I can... Yeah. I can guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's a, that's an outstanding point. Look, that vote was 51 to 45. That is two Republicans in support, Murkowski and Collins. That should not be surprised. Joining every Democrat except Kirsten Gillibrand, who, who legitimately couldn't make it. I mean, it would have obviously been a uh, uh, been a yes vote. There were three non-voting Republicans, including Marco Rubio, because, you know, like, why would Marco Rubio start doing his job now? Mm. Um, you know, that 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 it hasn't hurt him so far. And the, the voters in Florida keep reelecting the guy who hates doing his job. But whatever. Anyway, in the part I always like to say in the segment, Robinson uh, spent 10 years on the Vermont Supreme Court. So, you know, it's not like she's not ridiculously qualified to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. So uh, welcome aboard. And uh, I mean, truly historic uh, moment. And, and regardless of how you're feeling politically, like, um, you know, should, should take 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 a take a second uh, and be proud of uh, this administration and, and this country for uh, for moving in the right direction. Absolutely. And up next in shade of the day um, <laughs> and or sticking it to the last guy news, the new head of the Census Bureau is Robert Santos, a Latino 
who becomes the first person of color and by definition the first Hispanic to hold the job. <laughs> He's a statistician, chief methodologist, and vice president at the Urban Institute and the president of the American Statistical Association, so probably reasonably good with numbers. <laughs> and, of course, freaking out MAGA idiots everywhere. Santos's term runs through 2026 and will oversee the run-up to the 2030 census, but, you know, Republicans will still try and break it after Santos's team expires, so don't do something dumb like vote for Jill Stein in 2028, okay? Thank you. Dear, dear. And, and just a just, uh, couple quickies. Uh, welcome to some more nominees. Um, Laura Farnsworth-Dogu, who is the nominee for Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary to the Republic of Honduras. And Kenneth Weinstein, nominee for Undersecretary for Intelligence and Analysis at uh, Department of Homeland Security. So uh, welcome aboard to the two of them. Again, you know, slowly but surely filling out the executive branch um, doesn't doesn't help that, uh, you know, you have a, a full court press trying to slow everything down in the Senate. But um, we'll uh, we'll continue to tell you as these uh, spots get filled. Yeah, and we had another big one, too. Uh, Attorney General Garland swore in Matthew Olson as assistant attorney oh, general yeah. for um, the National Security Division. And that's Absolutely. big, right? Yeah, that's that big. Is. Hampton yep. Dellinger as assistant attorney general for the Office of Legal Policy and Christopher Schroeder as the assistant attorney general for the Office of Legal Counsel. Oh, the good OLC. <laughs> <laughs> right. Come time on. to start writing some letters, Chris. Okay. So his name is Schroeder. <laughs> and so I just want to, I just want to, I picture him at that little piano, the Peanuts <laughs> Schroeder, like just typing up OLC memos instead of playing songs. Oh, um, and this week peanut, also. A Peanuts joke. That's, that's. That's really what's going to get us with our, uh, you know, Gen Y audience here. Yes, youngins, welcome. <laughs> That's what we sound like to Gen Y, probably. Uh, this week, President Biden announced his ninth round of nominees for federal judicial positions, too. And that has brought the number of announced federal judicial nominees to 62. So that's also some good news. So, yay, everybody, welcome, welcome, please. Um, I think we're all, I think we're out of goings. You know, this should just be called the Cummings section. I, I, I think that's right. Although, uh, you know, uh, we could uh, reconstitute the uh, USPS board and kick out DeJoy. That would be a, uh, yeah. a worthwhile goings. Apparently so. two of the people, uh, their their terms are up on December 8th, and that'll uh, open up two spots. Um, that, that would sure be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, and we just got to fire DeJoy. I don't know. I Maybe it's just not a priority. I don't know, but we need to do that. We need to forgive student debt for everyone, 50000 uh, there's just a bunch. There's a bunch of stuff we need to do. Uh, and I, I'm assuming some of these things that are going to be amazing, uh, instant amazing things for Americans will wait until the midterms, close to the midterms. I think they'll wait till they're politically advantageous. Although student loans are coming due in January. So yeah, people have to start making would, payments again. That would do a lot of good for a lot of people. So, uh, let's, let's keep our eyes open. Definitely would. And we'll clean up more stuff next week. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, just that uh, love, love doing the show, love being back in the saddle. And um, and this, as always, was was fantastic. Yes, absolutely. I truly did miss you while you were gone. And uh, I'm I'm so glad that you're back and we're going to keep doing this. And hopefully in the next month or two, there'll be some serious, uh, 
serious deck swabbing going on in aisle 45. We'll see. But anyway, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks so much. I've been Allison Gill. I'm Andrew Torres. And this is Clean Up on Aisle 45. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is written, researched, and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with editing by Molly Hockey. Our art and logo designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios, and our music is composed and performed by Adam Orr. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. That's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean, for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Teese, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that right? What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It's, it's it amazing. Right it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>